You're listening to a sermon originally recorded by Schweitzer United Methodist Church in Springfield, Missouri. Check us out online at sumc.co. And if this sermon blessed you, be sure to share it with someone else. Thank you so much for listening. Now, on to the message. brothers and sisters. I'm uh, David Freeman. I'm one of the worship leaders here at Schweitzer, and I just had a great time being quiet and listening to you all. So our series is talking about the distinctives of Schweitzer, all generations, engaging worship, deeper discipleship, caring hearts, and community impact. And this morning, we get to focus on engaging worship. Woo! I got so excited when I got to be the one to preach during this. And KJ and I talked about it and said, let's not preach, let's worship. Right? So uh, we're just going to cover a few things about worship, and then we're going to kick right back into worship. The first thing I want you to know is uh, we, we had a group go to a worship conference, and here's one of the great quotes that they brought back. It's from uh, Darren Whitehead. Worship is a mandate. It's not a, eh, you know, do this if you feel like it. It's something that we are required to do. It's almost, well, it's your job description if you are a follower of Jesus. Wow. You, You know, Showing up for worship and expecting the folks up here to worship for you is like being invited to the best party in the world and driving there and then standing outside the door the whole time while the party's going on inside. Folks, you, we are the party. I don't know. I've prayed for this. I've prepared for this morning. The worship team has practiced. Why? Why did I just get overwhelmed by Jesus in this moment and not in the hours and hours of preparation? It's because we were all here worshiping together. Thank you. It's wonderful. Can you imagine what would happen if we all showed up every time 100% pumped and prepared to worship the creator of the ends of the worlds, of the universe, of the microcosm? Wow. Before we delve into some Hebrew words about worship, I want to talk about two challenges for worship. In the Freeman household, Sunday before worship, there are is the most likely time in the week for arguments and petty misunderstandings to happen. Maybe you can relate. Especially in the car on the way to church. Mm Mm-hmm. You can relate. It only makes sense. I mean, according to Ephesians 6, we are in a battle with the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places, and they want us to show up wounded and sidelined. Folks, you're in a battle. Every time you're going to worship, you are in a battle. It's been, it's been kind of a, um, a long journey 
for me and my house to figure out how to show up ready for worship. I'm just going to throw out a few things that maybe you've thought of before, maybe you haven't, that might help you. The first is worship begins, worship preparation begins on Saturday afternoon. We, we have to have a plan. We have to know who's going to go in which bathroom by what time the next morning and be out. We have to know who's going to go to bed by what time and who's going to get whom up and dress whom in the morning because we've got little ones, right? If we, just, if we have a, a group plan to tackle like a battle plan, things go much more smoothly than if we just kind of wing it. Personally, I know that I have to get six or seven and a half or nine hours of sleep. I know my sleep cycle is one and a half hours. I also know if I'm going to get up and speak much or sing much, I have to get up at least two hours early and start drinking at least a quart of water before I arrive because for a vocal instrument to work, it must be hydrated. How about you? What do you need to do to show up ready for worship? The second challenge I want to address that that we talked about that, that they learned in the worship conference Many of us have worship wounds. I've worshiped in an environment where I wanted to be expressive and the group around me did not want any expressiveness. I had a friend in high school who went to a church camp, got all revivaled up, right? Came back to church and he was all about raising his hands and in two months the church asked him to leave because they didn't want people raising hands in worship. It happens. We wound each other. Likewise, I've been in environments where I felt a lot of pressure to act physically in a way that I wasn't comfortable with, I wasn't ready for, I just wasn't there. You know, maybe I was on the sideline that morning and trying to get in the game was just not something that was going to work but I felt forced. Yeah, we we wound each other, right? We've all, we've had that junk. I just want to pray for us right now. I want to pray for you. I don't want you to raise your hand if you felt a wound. I just want to pray right now. Oh, Father, will you please bring healing in this room? Wield your grace and your healing presence on each person sitting here right now. Free us, Father. Free us to worship you in spirit and in truth. Please make us a body who knows how to worship you in spirit and in truth and how to support each other in that effort. Lord, we're learning together. Please teach us your ways. (laughs) Teach us the right way, Lord, your way. And all God's people said, amen. Yeah. Well, there are probably more challenges than that, but we're going to go on. So there are 
110 Hebrew words for worship. You know how uh, Indians have multiple words, hundreds of words for snow, and we have one, snow, right? Uh, there's the word that is translated uh, praise, worship, give thanks. Those are the words that appear over and over, those three or four words. But there are hundreds of words underneath them. We're going to talk about seven this morning, all right? The reason we're doing this is to kind of give us all a common language and maybe a bit of permission with each other. So the first word, oh boy, this comes from uh, First Chronicles. I love this passage. First Chronicles 16. And this is uh, 8 through 35 or 36 there. This is when the Ark of the Covenant is coming into Jerusalem and David is dancing around in front of it. His wife, Michal, gets embarrassed. And David brings the Ark into Jerusalem and then he gives the worshipers who are assigned to worship all the time this great psalm of instruction. And it starts off with the word zamar, right? Zamar is to make music. Actually, it kind of means to pluck. And if you think about it, you're plucking your vocal cords. We pluck all sorts of instruments. So it's instruments, vocals, whatever. David starts off this great psalm with, Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Zamar to him. Zamar to him. Speak his wonders. Yeah, we're pretty good at that one. We've got that one. We do it quite a bit. But the next verse... Is halal. To rave or clamorously be foolish. This is the part that uh, David was modeling back in verse 15. You know, you know the story of David dancing in front of the ark when it's coming in? Some, pe- some uh, people think he kind of got down to his underwear. I mean, he was going crazy. He was so excited. He was letting it all hang out. And his wife, who was more sophisticated, thought it was inappropriate. Halal in his holy name. Let the heart of those who seek the Lord be glad. It's just this, you just get overwhelmed by he's got it all under control. Life is good. By the way, Michal was the one who was punished for thinking the way she thought, not David, for halaling. Ah. And then comes this great word towards the end of that psalm when he's kind of got it all excited and wrapping it up. And he says, Shabbat. I mean, he said, Shabbat. It was the end of this great psalm. And if you will, you've seen it. You've seen it in lots of movies, in lots of books, in lots of histories. When a battle is won and everybody, yeah. And they just can't help it. They, oh, we'll get to this word in a minute. Right? Shabbat. The victory is won. The battle is won. You just can't help it. You do it in in, uh, uh, stadiums all the time. Folks, sometimes, many times, a stadium atmosphere is more appropriate in worship than a nice, respectful classroom atmosphere. It's challenging for us to do. Yeah, there are lots of things that are challenging in Scripture for us to do. Yeah, doesn't mean we shouldn't do it. And then the last, uh, the last out of this passage, Tehillah. I love Tehillah. To give thanks to your holy name and Tehillah in your praise. 
Thank you, Lord, for what you've done. I don't know if you ever break out into song. Sometimes, have you seen those uh, victory things where they throw up their hands and then they break out into the song that they all know? That's a form of tehillah. That's great. You just can't help it. You all know this song together and you break out in it. I've been in environments. One of the most memorable was a huge thunderstorm and we were all caught out it and all of a sudden we were overwhelmed by the power of God and we all started singing a song that we knew together. It was wonderful. There's another form of tequila that I don't notice most adults doing, but I notice a lot of children doing it. Oh, Lord, you're good. I got out of bed this morning. My socks feel good. Have you ever noticed a little kid tequilaing? It's such a joy to watch. Yeah. Well, we go into some more Psalms. Ta-da. Yada and ta-da, to raise your hands. One is in reverence, one is in thanksgiving. This is all over the Psalms. Psalm 44, 8. In God we have boasted all day long, and we will ta-da to your name forever. I mean, folks, we do it in football games. Woo-hoo! Yeah, we, we ta-da frequently when we're really excited. Oh, another. I love this one. I don't know why I like this one so much. This one just, just it, you know, maybe there's one or two of these that really appeal to you. This one appeals to me. Barak. Come, let us worship and Barak. Let us kneel before the Lord, our God, our maker. And there is something about this position. It's talked about frequently in scripture, is it not? James, the brother of Jesus, was known as old camel knees because he kneeled so much. Ah, let us kneel before the Lord our God. Hmm. Then hasaw. Actually, there are many words for silence. I had to pick one, so I picked this one. This, this passage in Habakkuk 2.20 it's at the end, Habakkuk is kind of complaining to the Lord about how the Lord is treating Israel. And the Lord sets him down and says, well, I'll tell you a few things. And it kind of builds and it builds. And at the end, but the Lord is in his holy temple. This is God speaking. Let all the earth hassaw before him. You've been there. You've been in times where you were just in such awe that you, whether you're soaking it in or you just, there's nothing to say. Wow. God. kind of went over these things. Maybe they're basic to you. Maybe it's the first time you've heard some of this stuff. I'm not trying to force you to do anything in this room. I'm not trying to force you to do anything in your prayer closet when you're totally alone. We just want you to know those are some pretty common physical expressions of worship and you shouldn't feel weird 
if you really feel a strong desire to do them. You shouldn't feel weird if you're listening to something at home and all of a sudden the who God is just overwhelms you and you just need to do this and you start crying like a baby. It's okay. That's called worship. We're going to have some, some of our brothers and sisters come up who went to the worship conference and we're just going to kind of do a panel discussion here. Actually, I've already used some of their thoughts in this service because uh, I was talking to KJ about about worship and how we were going to do this morning. And he did this 25-minute talk about all that went on in, in uh, Nashville. And I said, man, why don't you just preach this sermon, KJ? He said, ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> but, but I will lead a panel discussion. So if you want, I'm going to uh, actually turn on my cell phone for texts. And if any of you want to text me a question, a legitimate question, <laughs> not throw off the facilitator stuff here, right? Uh, we'll see if we can work it in. That's not exactly what I said. <laughs> I think my words were, I'm busy. <laughs> so thanks for helping me preach vicariously through you. Um, let's just go down the line. And uh, I know that for some of you, if you're regulars to the service, you may recognize at least Ruth. Uh, Justin, you may, just, you may just be used to hearing him say, good morning week in and week out, uh, but you just introduce yourselves and, uh, yeah. Um, my name's Ruth Schaefer, and I do sing in the praise band occasionally, and I did get to go to Salt, and it was a very good experience. Um, I guess we'll talk more about that in a minute. Well, I guess you don't need any introduction. <laughs> so, uh, Justin Helwig, I also went to Salt, and obviously we're going to be talking about that. I don't know what questions we have, so I'm a little nervous because <laughs> yeah. I don't know what this, I don't know what we're doing. So the, the best part of this is, uh, <laughs> and I think that this really gets us into to what it is. Um, I, David and I were talking about this service and what we wanted to be, and he was like, man, I don't know. I just want to, I don't want to preach. I just want to worship. And I was like, well, actually, I had a really good conversation with two of my volunteers uh, in the back of the van on our way back from Salt, just kind of digesting it and debriefing it. So don't worry, we've actually already had this conversation before. You just didn't know that you were practicing no, for Sunday morning. We talked for like four or five hours on the way back. So yeah. And I'm we're also going to talk sure for four or five saying. hours now, so buckle in. <laughs> so, uh, Justin, let's start with you. So, um, as we were talking, you kind of explained to me the progression and this is not to get into worship style, like one style being better than the other, but what was your journey? Because you actually started going to traditional worship, right? Yeah. And then you moved to 940, yeah. and then you went to Salt Conference, where Salt, Salt Conference is like all of the production. So if, you're, if your thing is like, oh, it feels like a concert, this one kind of felt like a concert, except for you, it didn't feel that way, right? So um, will you talk us through that progression and why, why have you personally just felt that need to change venues? Yeah, no, that's... Uh that is a good question. So I, I didn't know what SALT was. Um, KJ invited me to it, and I just said, sure. Um, and so when I got there, I realized, oh, my gosh, this is a lot bigger than I thought. It was how many people? I don't, I don't know. Anyway, anyway it, was, it was huge, and there was, I mean, it, it was. It was a big production. And um, uh, the only worship experience that I've had as far as, like, um, like modern worship with a band and such is this church. Um, I, I mean, I had one a long time ago, back when I was 15, and, uh, and I, I didn't jive with it, so I never did it since then. And when I 
when I got there, I thought, I thought, man, KJ, why'd you, why'd you ask me to come here? This is extremely, uh, uh, like, not my, not my gig, not my style, I guess. And um, so when I was, when I was there, and, and I realized that it wasn't a concert, it wasn't, um, it wasn't just a visual experience. These people weren't playing for themselves, right? They weren't, they weren't getting the glory for this. Everybody else was worshiping in, like, in, in every way that you could, like everything that David said, everybody was, was doing that all around us. And, uh, and, it, and it dawned on me that it wasn't, it wasn't a worship experience for like, ev- everybody was worshiping like the way they wanted to throughout the entire room. And to me, it was, uh, worship became not just a, uh, a personal thing between me and God, but like it was communal. Mm-hmm. And everybody was doing it how they wanted to, not, not, how, uh, not how David right beside me was doing. It was what was moving them. And uh, I don't, it clicked. Like it clicked. It was, it was uh, seeing everybody else's relationship with God outside of my own made me realize how absolutely huge he is, you know? Mm. Um, yeah, because everybody was, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so you explained to me, uh, you had a, I'd say a big heart breakthrough and a small physical breakthrough in that uh, you, typically when you would worship, you would raise one hand, and then suddenly, like this, like yeah. <laughs> and then suddenly, you were raising two hands. Oh, and dancing <laughs> and jumping. So halaling then, yeah. Whoa, take it. I don't know that the stools are ready for that. I don't think so. No, I'm good. So, was that awkward for you, or what was what 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 happened? Uh, okay, so raise your mic. Sorry. <laughs> so okay, so I had a hand. I, I did have a hand up, and I saw all of these people around me that were doing, and they weren't, they weren't all doing the same thing. You had people that were kneeling, you had people that were jumping around, you had people that had one hand in the air. I mean, everybody was doing something different. And like, I felt, my, I, I felt myself here and I saw all these people and it was huge, the, pl- the place was huge. And I was doing this and I thought, I think I'm the only one that feels uncomfortable. Everybody else looks like that they're like having fun, like enjoying themselves. So I thought, okay, well, let's, Let's do this. <laughs> and oh, I yeah. thought, yeah. <laughs> and so I did this. <laughs> nice. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Like it felt like it felt. Uh, uh, man, I don't. I don't know. There was just something that clicked that that I thought. Natural. Yeah, something natural. That I thought I'm going to do this the way I want to. Forget about everybody else. But, also, but not forget about them because they're all, like, they're all doing it together. Like, everybody's personal relationship was coming out in the form of some kind of worship to the same God that I was experiencing this power through. You know what I mean? It was awesome. It was cool. Yeah, yeah, thanks. Um, so, Ruth, you had similar experiences. I remember, I think that you said this, uh, like, specifically looking over at Alec and Aiden, two of the other people uh, and Taylor, I think, two of the other people who came on the trip with us, and them dancing around and being goofballs and halaling, really freed you up to do that. But I know that, um, that you had some, some work to get there, and you were there when we heard this, this sermon on the seven Hebrew words of praise. Um, so would you mind being vulnerable and just talk? You don't have to talk specifically, but just 
what was that process of, of healing and, and newfound worship that you experienced at Salt? Well, oh gosh. <laughs> um, I think, well, you kind of brought it up in your sermon a little bit about feelings of, of wounds, you know? And I have a pretty gregarious personality, which sort of... Wait, can you define gregarious? I don't know. What <laughs> I'm so dumb. I have a... I mean, when I get happy, I get happy, you know? Like, I get... I, I, and my whole life, you know, raised in a very traditional church, um, everyone was just like, be quiet. Don't, don't be yourself, don't let people see what's inside you because that might make them feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And, and so I, I spent a lot of my life just holding it in, denying my joy, denying my feelings because I didn't want to make anybody uncomfortable. And only my close, close friends, close family ever really gets to see me, you know, as me. And when I went to this SALT conference, all of a sudden I was surrounded by tons of people expressing themselves. And I was like, why do they get to do that and not me? And I felt like all these wounds emerge where I just realized this is not the way I should be feeling. I should not be feeling like I have to deny my joy for God and my worship of God and the fact that he moves through me. And that was another thing at the conference where I realized that that's what he's calling us to do is to get out of our own way, to get out of those thoughts where, oh, they're going to look at me funny or, you know, and just let him do his work. And the other thing I guess um, I realized is that, you know, when I'm up here and I'm singing and I'm not trying to make you feel uncomfortable, um, I realized that when I was up here on Sundays, I gave myself a little bit of permission to be a little bit more out there. Um, And I, but when I was out there on a Sunday, I didn't. Like in the congregation, I would kind of rein it in because I didn't want to make people feel uncomfortable because I'd been told my whole life, don't make people feel uncomfortable. And I realized that God is not calling us to make people feel comfortable. God is calling us to worship him in whatever form that may be. I love the fact that you mentioned that there were so many different forms of worship, but it was all very authentic. And what was comfortable for me may not be comfortable for you, but I respect that. And um, I need to stop worrying about what people think necessarily when I'm worshiping God. But I also needed to remember that as a congregant, how I worship God is, like when I'm up here worshiping, I think of myself as, okay, I'm leading. I'm helping to lead. I'm helping to get people to get out of their own way so that God can come in and and do his work. But as a congregant, I have that responsibility too. I have the responsibility as a congregant to get out of my own way so that I can worship God and let that happen. And that, if I get out of my own way, that maybe will let the person next to me get out of their own way and the person next to them get out of their own way. And it'll be a ripple effect. And it's really awesome when that does happen because then as 
we get that collective, wow. You get that collective, it's amazing when that, when, when things move like that. When we are worshiping together as a community, not just as individuals. That is great. And you just echoed, I've heard KJ say, the most important worship leaders are in the congregation. If yes. we don't have worship leaders in the congregation, worship will not occur in the, in the room. Like, I am so bound by my instrument yeah. and by being on stage. Well, actually, since I don't have a pew, I don't have to worry about that thing. But, like, I can really only sing or play guitar. Or, so it's, like, hard for me because I'm uh, a slave, if you will, to the, the music production to lift my hands or to kneel or to, to do anything else. And, and I, uh, part of the reason that I come to Sunday morning, besides the fact that I, it's my job, is uh, I love, love watching the people of God worship him unashamedly. Um, and in every service, there's pockets uh, of people who do that. And sometimes those pockets are bigger than others. Um, and so when I'm feeling down, when it's hard for me to come to Sunday morning, when Satan has just been like, hey, this is going to be a really hard morning for you. You're welcome. Then I can look out and see, uh, these people are here to worship and they don't need me, but I need them. Carry on. I will, I will look to you and worship God through you. Do you have a question? I have actually a statement and a question Ooh, okay. from the audience, from the congregation, from the body, right? So this is, this is a good one. This is the statement. I give in to worship so freely and loosely because I get to express my deep love for God. It's personal to me to allow others to see a portion of what to see a portion of what God is doing and, and how He is loving on me, and hopefully it encourages other to give in, all for the glory of God. And then there, here's a question: I almost think, man, it's almost time to start worshiping, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Let's end with this question. Let everybody yeah. kind of think about it. How come so many feel halal is embarrassing? That's the raving part that David did. You know, the dancing, the looking crazy, the looking, even, even when you described it, they were being crazy. They were being, uh, and when did we lose it? Well, I think that's interesting that you say that because we haven't lost halal. Um, in general. In general. Like, yeah. you know, when we went to the conference, they gave an example of Halal where the Cubs won the World Series. And I mean, all of Chicago just went lost nuts. their minds. Yeah. And, and, you know, just danced and sang and just the most joyous expression of love. We have no problem doing that if it's a sporting event. But I think because wedding. we have such different varying ways of worshiping God. We have that reverent way, and some people really connect with that. And then we have, and that silent way. And then some people, they can't really connect to God unless they are dancing and singing and jumping around. And those two sometimes feel like they're at odds with each other. But what's so awesome is that they're not. They're not. Um, I think with this, we'll end. Halal, I think, is really important in the church because in North America, uh, Piggybacking on the backs of, of Europe um, and their form of worshiping God. It's all about reverence and awe, being silent and still before the Lord. There's something, David, as you were talking about stadium atmosphere, I was like, it's only in church in North America, white church North America, where people, a lot of people gather together to be real quiet. Mm. <laughs> That's a 
How, let's like, if you got a bunch of kids together, be like, all right, kids, we're going to play your favorite game, the quiet game. You're like, no. <laughs> Why? <laughs> but I love, so I love the framework of the seven Hebrew words of praise. It's something that I've heard for a long time. But I love the framework of it because certainly it gives us guidance for ways to express ourselves physically. But really what it does is it gives us guideposts to say, maybe God is calling you to try this out. It doesn't have to be your form of worship all the time, but maybe God is calling you into faithfulness for this moment to just do this thing. And it's, it is awkward to dance in your underwear before the presence of God. We're not doing yeah, that. Yeah, we're probably not, we're not, not doing, doing that. that. It's fine. I'm not asking you to do that. But, you know, it's so often like, like worship <laughs> leaders private. are all like, uh, oh, yeah, David dancing in his underwear. And, and I think we put David, not you, David, but that David, up on a pedestal because he was so willing to be, to, to be the fool. But we never get the internal tension. Was David being like, I don't want to dance in front of the Lord with my underwear on. I'm embarrassed about my body. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, we never think about the tensions that David has. It, we... The Bible only speaks of David's faithfulness, and I think that that's so important. And so halal is because we have the weight of history and tradition and church being a place to be quiet and to be still. Because certainly, like all those people, Ruth, I'm sure were very well-intentioned. Like you don't want to make people feel uncomfortable. You don't want to, to, to be like, hey, come to church, and there's a bunch of weirdos. That's not, <laughs> that's not the best way to invite someone, right? But I think giving people that framework and saying these expressions of worship are uh, – are biblical, are traditional, are good ways to express yourself in worship. They are all valid. And there are some forms of worship maybe that aren't as valid uh, for a given time or a given place. So giving us that framework allows us to say, this is a little bit weird and we're just, God is leading you or us into something new, into something, some new level of faithfulness. So really physical expression of worship, I think is more about what's happening in your heart and the way that God is calling you to be faithful, not just like, I need to show off for my friends. I'm gonna pray Absolutely. and then let's worship. Um, can we, Justin, Ruth, thanks for being up here. Oh, and yeah, being, being honest and vulnerable. Yeah. Will you give them a hand? It all depends on you. Lord, uh, we're here. We're eager for you. Please do your thing. Amen.